the SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by Media One Audio Visual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the ninth SF Music Tech Summit. I am so thrilled to see you all here, all of you individually. Thank you so much. It's because you guys choose to come, you self-select to come, that it makes this show so good. And we're just thrilled. As you may or may not have noticed, we have a packed house today. Um, it's all about everybody connecting with each other, doing business with each other, finding out what everybody else needs and connecting them. You know, it's no longer about the plastic discs. It's about the artists connecting with the fans and it's the technology companies uh, that help you do it. Um, we have our schmooze lounge downstairs. Take advantage of it. There will be at least one or two sessions which uh, will be so overpacked that honestly, Please take advantage of the Schmooze Lounge. Um, and I just have to thank all the sponsors. They've just been incredible uh, coming in to help us. I mean, you know, Lyric Find is just amazing. Slacker, Pandora. Can we have a big hand for Pandora? This is like, that was like, that really like reopened the public markets for, uh, you know, music technology companies. So may they be the... Uh, First of many. Um, you know, the Orchard's showing off some great stuff today. We got BitTorrent out. We got Bram Cohen coming. That's just going to be crazy. Comcast, Walden Venture Capital, Larry Marcus, gotta love them. Uh, Root Music, what about them, right? Remember when they came here and was like just Jay going, oh, I got this thing I want to do, you know, and now they're like 16 million about a week ago. Gotta love that. Creative Allies, who I help. Beatport, the hottest, what do they average, $17 a download or something like that? I mean, come on guys, emulate that. Uh, Reststorm, in from France, say hi to Philippe. Rock Prodigy, Boppler Games, SoundCloud, TuneUp, Get It, Headliner, Bam TV, ThingLink, LeClaire Ryan, SoundExchange, DigitalMusic.org, Norm is making a big leap into, uh, you know, into the relevant digital markets, so definitely support them. Thrill Call, Fuga, Jack Prince, Eventbrite, TuneWiki, PayPal, IOTA, SonicNet, The Recording Academy, ABB Records, Rosenblum, Future Music Coalition, R&B Sellers, and my new startup, which is the SF Music Tech Fund. So we'll hear more about that at some point. But basically, I mean, you know, and then I got to thank my staff. I mean, Cassie, Todd, Shoshana, who's not, where she's running around, or she's sitting somewhere, uh, seven, eight months pregnant, you know, which is why we moved this show up a little bit. Melissa, a new fabulous person helping us out. It's a great team, and that's what I urge all of you guys, to find the rock stars and work with them, because it's easy to find people who just kind of are good, but to really build, like, the top quality organization, you need the top quality people. And you got to get the top quality people to get the other top quality people. So find the other rock stars out here in the crowd and, uh, you know, just, just see what you can do with them. So we're, we're going to get started. Um, we're going to have some uh, opening remarks from Tim Westergren. He's going to talk about, you know, I asked him about what he thought was hot today. So uh, very excited to have him here today. And a uh, big hand for Tim. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. And first, uh, congratulations, Brian, for what, year nine of the conference. Is that right? 
episode nine, almost 10 years. It's like great to have this sort of very healthy local conference here. Um, so Brian did ask me to talk a little bit about what uh, is exciting to me in digital music these days. And uh, to do that, I, I, I'll go back a little bit about uh, 12 years or, or so ago. Um, I was uh, in my rock band phase. Uh, I was in a van in Colorado uh, driving to Telluride, uh, packed into our 15-passenger van with our PA equipment. And we, uh, it was our first time to Colorado. We'd, we were doing a three-week tour there, and we showed up to Telluride uh, uh, for the first time. Got there a few hours early, and uh, which is unusual for a rock band. Um, and, uh, and did what we usually do, which was spend about an hour or so walking around Telluride, uh, putting up flyers on telephone poles, and uh, walking into cafes and bars, et cetera, and, and, and literally introducing ourselves to people and saying, hey, this is a new band we're playing tonight. If you want to come, hope you'll come see us play. I spent about an hour, hour and a half doing that. Uh, and then had our show that night. Unfortunately, there was this young uh, guitar prodigy named Dwayne Betts who was playing in the other club in town that night with his dad. Um, and, and so not a whole lot of people came to see us, which was sort of the story of that, of that first tour. Um, and, and we were one of, you know, thousands and thousands of, of sort of similarly situated musicians, uh, all trying to sort of do the same thing, you know, find a way to build an audience. And, and it's, it is what I view uh, back then and still today as sort of the singular problem uh, of the music industry, which is how, how does a new artist uh, reach an audience? And, and I would actually argue that if that remains, with all the great technology, the technology that's around, that's, that's really the big problem that we all need to solve. And back then, of course, the, the answer to that was to get on radio. Uh, radio was sort of the, the one means of large-scale promotion uh, available to artists. And unfortunately, it was a very, very narrow pipeline. Uh, we weren't, as a band, hadn't reached the stage where we had the sort of support and clout behind us to get on radio. So every now and then we'd get you know, a friendly local DJ who happened to have seen us or somebody's friend or cousin or something that was a, that was a spinning a, a late night show and, and we'd get on the radio. But by and large, we, were, we, were, we, were not, uh, we didn't have access to radio. Um, and, and a statistic that amazes me uh, is that even today, with, this is with all the advent of the new technologies to allow for really convenient on-demand listening, of the time people spend uh, with music, somewhere around 17 hours a week in the U.S., 80% of that time is spent listening to radio, even today. It's true back then, it's as true uh, today as it was back then. So radio really is the pipeline to music. It's how people experience music. Only a fifth of the time is spent doing stuff with music that you own. And, and by that, I mean not just your CD collection, your MP3 collection, a subscription service, you know, anywhere you can get music on demand. That accounts for about a fifth of the time you spend listening to music. So still today, radio remains sort of the central pipeline connecting fans to, uh, to music. And radio is changing. And that, to me, is what is most exciting uh, about digital music these days. Uh, radio has not only been the, the, the largest proportion of time, it's also by far the largest economic piece of the music industry as well. And it's changing very, very fundamentally. And by that, of course, I mean it's going from broadcast radio to internet radio. 
Uh, and specifically, it's going to personalize radio, allowing people to have a much more fulfilling experience. And for musicians, I think there is no uh, more significant, uh, more important uh, trend than this transition for a number of reasons. Um, the first is that internet radio pays royalties. So if you're a performer and your song gets played on any number of uh, web radio stations, Slacker, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, Live 365, you name it, the performer gets money. That's not true, of course, for broadcast radio. And again, remembering that broadcast radio is the largest economic piece of the industry, and it's, it's been one that artists have not participated in. So every hour that goes, every hour that goes from broadcast radio to web radio is good news financially. The second thing is that web radio is much more inclusive. So I, I can speak for Pandora. I, I imagine this is similar for other other web radio services. We play from a catalog of, of about ninety thousand artists uh, and over nine hundred thousand songs. It's a very sort of carefully curated uh, collection of music. 95% of those 900,000 songs played last month on Pandora. So virtually everything in our collection is actually getting spins. And again, spins to people who like that specific kind of music. And there's no prerequisite for getting on Pandora. It's really just you have to, music has to be good. Again, that's a curatorial decision, but there's no kind of gatekeeper in terms of you don't have to be famous, you don't have to be backed by a label, there's no, there's no sort of qualifications, just really good music. So much more inclusive. And then the third piece, which is, uh, I think, equally important, is the, imp the implications for what I'd broadly call local. Um, I think that there's a growing consensus in the industry that given what's happening on the retail side, uh, that artists are going to have to rely more and more on uh, revenue from live performance. Uh, a lot of people are saying that. I think that's probably true. And again, harking back to that experience in Colorado, the, the challenge uh, for, for live performance is how do you get people to come see you? And uh, as, um, as these services reach scale, which we're beginning to do now, the ability to impact uh, performance, that industry at a local level, is actually becoming a reality. We have, last month, a little over 37 million people came to Pandora. And over the last uh, five, six years of the service, listeners have given over a billion pieces of thumb feedback. So uh, thumbed up or thumbed down songs they like or don't like. So we have a pretty good idea of what people like and, and uh, where they live. Not exactly where they live, but, but close enough. <laughs> And we have the ability to communicate with them directly. So the, the implications, I think, in terms of impacting local are profound. Uh, a little while ago, uh, just as an experiment, um, we did a show uh, with Amy Mann, the singer-songwriter, at a, a club called The Largo in Los Angeles. And uh, we invited people who had thumbed up an Amy Mann song that live within driving distance of The Largo. Uh, to a show. We didn't invite all of them, there were too many, um, but a, a fraction of them. And we just about filled the club on a Tuesday night with local Amy Mann fans. Amy and her manager didn't have to do anything. These people just showed up. And the club owner, when it was done, he said, can we do this for the rest of the shows this year? <laughs> um, 
all the participants in that event, you know, again, facing the same problem. The club owner can't afford to really aggressively market a, sm a relatively small show like that's a 300-seat capacity theater, if I remember right. And of course, of course, Amy and her manager don't have the resources either. You know, she's a hardworking, reasonably successful musician. But it's not hard, I think, to extrapolate from that what's possible as this form of radio, again, this personalized radio that talks individually to listeners and that knows what they like, uh, to be able to be geographically relevant and maybe start to tackle this really tough problem of getting people out to see your show. Um, and I, I understand that uh, the band Slightly Stupid is playing... Uh, are they playing tonight, or are they appearing, or appearing here. appearing here and then playing in San Francisco? They're doing a webcast tomorrow night. Doing a webcast tomorrow night. All right. So I did a little research on some data uh, on slightly stupid, and uh, let's see. So there are just shy of five thousand, four thousand, seven hundred forty-nine Pandora listeners have recently thumbed up a uh, song by Slightly Stupid. After San Francisco, they're on their way to Phoenix, where there are 3,063. And Los Angeles, where there are 13,349 uh, people who've done the same thing. And if you dig into Mandor a little bit more and kind of say, well, what other bands kind of sound like them and whose audiences might also be interested in that show, you expand that number. You wind up with, in San Francisco, 131,000. 84,000 in Phoenix, and 372,567 in Los Angeles. These are all people who have a very explicitly expressed uh, interest in that kind of music. And with this kind of technology, we have the ability to literally tell them the band is coming. So I, if, as I look out you know, over this industry now, this is really where I think, this is what I'm excited about. And I think what has the, has the, has the potential to really dramatically change sort of the plight of the working musician. That this sector, radio, which accounts for 80% of the hours people spend with music, is transitioning from a medium that doesn't pay to one that does pay. It's transitioning from a, a medium that is very exclusive, that, that plays maybe a, a few hundred artists at a time, to one that plays tens of thousands and thirdly, that has the ability to communicate in a targeted way uh, based on someone's musical, musical preferences and the vicinity of where they live, a relevant information about live performances. And so I think that you know, the future is looking pretty bright. And I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that, that radio is transitioning and that that transition is accelerating. As listeners are realizing, you know, there's a better alternative than, than, than sort of uh, tuning into a, a single station that's not programmed just for me. Uh, that's, uh, I, can get, I can actually control and curate my listening experience in a much more profound way. So I'm uh, generally very, very optimistic about this industry. And, and, I, and I hope and believe that as uh, internet radio accounts for a larger and larger share and starts pushing value back into the artist community, that all these businesses around musicians are going to benefit from that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what other new and exciting things are happening uh, in the industry, and, and thanks uh, for coming today. And again, congratulations to Brian for your conference. Thank you. I really appreciate it.